0: Welcome to a special edition of the BioCentury This Week podcast. I'm Jeff Cranmer, Executive Editor of BioCentury. And today we're turning our focus to Europe, in particular, the Irish biopharma ecosystem on the eve of BioCentury's 23rd BioEquity Europe Conference. The meeting kicks off May 14th in Dublin. Joining me to help set the stage for the event are Mary Martin, Executive chair of Irish cell therapy company Avectus, and Alan O'Connell, a partner at European Life Sciences VC Soroba, as well as Tina Elder, global managing director of EBD Group, which is organizing the conference with BioCentury. And from the BioCentury side, we're joined by BioCentury co founder and CEO David Flores and our editor in chief and frequent podcast guest and co-host Simone Fishburne. David, I'd like to turn to you first. Welcome to the podcast. Now this is the third time for BioCentury EBD and our regional host committee have tried to bring BioEquity Europe to Dublin. Can you tell us a bit about the journey to this year's event which has spanned a pandemic and all sorts of other global events? as well as the theme of the conference.
1: All right, well, um, thank you, Jeff, for this. I want to issue some thanks here really quickly and I'll tell you why. Uh, so bioequity was caught in the COVID loop and we were all in a COVID loop, but bioequity was in an, an endless COVID loop it felt like. So the original plan was to convene in Dublin in 2020, in Milan in 2021. And as it became clear as we got into 2020 that we were not going to be able to do that, we all agreed to postpone Dublin to 2021 and Milan to 2022. And as we went through 2021, it became obvious the world was not yet going to be ready to go face-to-face in 2021. So we delayed again by conducting an all-virtual Bioequity Europe. So now we had to re- reconnoiter, and we did. Milan had been patiently waiting, so we all agreed it should keep its place in 2022. And so now, on the third try, we are actually going to be in Dublin this year. The thanks that I mentioned at the beginning really want to thank Alan and Mary and their colleagues on the regional host committee for sticking with us. They were incredibly practical. They were uncomplicated. We managed to do things by just making phone calls, handshakes, and very small bureaucratic changes, we kept those to a minimum, and for all of that patience and all of that practicality, Dublin's being rewarded this year as the 23rd Bioequity Europe is going to be the biggest ever.
0: Tell me a bit about the theme for this year's conference, Dave.
1: Well, um, COVID may be in the rearview mirror of uh, who is, has, has now declared that the pandemic is officially over, so it may be in the rearview mirror, but it's been replaced by a geopolitical, financial, and regulatory upheaval uh, that is refining the, the innovation ecosystem we all live in. How's that fit into bioequities? For more than two decades, bioequities have been debating where European biotech stands in a global context. So this year's agenda is focused on how the roadmap for European biotech innovation has changed by the end of easy money uncertain rules for global product development, and grave doubts about whether biofarmers will be paid for their innovation because of new legislation and laws in both Europe and the U.S. So this year, our goal is to collectively identify what is the European playbook for success in this new normal.
0: Excellent. And I'm sure we have a couple of uh, panels that that zero right in on that. We can touch on a few of those later. There is the capital market showcase, of course, and a session on creative financing. But I'd like to bring in Alan now to tell us about the Irish biotech ecosystem and why Dublin makes sense as the location for this year's conference.
2: Thank you, Jeff, and thank you for um, having me. And so firstly, um, so representing the Dublin host committee, we are really thrilled that we finally are bringing to Dublin and Dave has outlined some of the winding path to get here. So we're really thrilled it's actually happening. So in terms of those, why Ireland, why Dublin, why now? I'm happy to give you an overview in terms of the broader picture around the ecosystem here. Firstly, pharma is a big industry in Ireland. We have over 80 biopharma companies with facilities here across all modalities. Perhaps it will not be fully appreciated, but Ireland is the world's third largest exporter of pharmaceuticals. And uh, many of the best-selling drugs in the world are made right here. In terms of the indigenous biotech sector, we are an emerging sector compared to perhaps some of the uh, key centers in Europe, like the Benelux and and the UK. But um, we feel we have a lot of the key ingredients for success. I suppose first point to make is Ireland is in many ways a bridge between the US and the EU markets. And we have a very strongly pro-business environment, which positions us well in terms of innovation. We also have some very supportive Irish state agencies that support innovation here. Firstly, Science Foundation Ireland, that supports early stage academic research in the universities and the hospital system in Ireland. And we get quite a lot of um, European Union funding to fund that basic research. Enterprise Ireland then comes in at the next stage in terms of supporting early stage startup company creation, both in terms of capital and and other supports and helps those uh, companies grow within the ecosystem. And then IBA um, helps attract foreign direct investment into the country. We also have some very solid academic research from the hospitals and from the various universities here. And I think in terms of areas that I would point out, we have some world-class researchers in immunology, inflammation, probiotics, and um, and more and more emerging cell and gene therapies, I think it's also very helpful. We have a good presence in terms of the size of the ecosystem, in terms of the venture capital community, our firm and Sarova, our colleagues in Fountain and Lightstone, Atlantic Bridge, and all sort of important players in the local ecosystem. And then that provides a good base in terms of international syndication for um, international investors. CROs at ICON are headquartered in Dublin. Um, And then more recently, the Pioneer Group, they set up their first life science incubator in, in Dublin, which again, is really helpful to the ecosystem. In terms of, I guess, access to talent, that is one of the, I guess, big challenges for all emerging regions, and we are no different. So I think in terms of the size of the ecosystem, accessing talent is a challenge. We do see more recently, uh, emerging promoters and even folks that have worked within the industry stepping into startup creation, which is good to see. And also over the years, we would describe as the Elan effect, which is one of our largest indigenous companies. And over the years, it's dispersed talent across the ecosystem, which has been really, really helpful in terms of the growth of the sector. The final comment I would make is that actually we've had some recent success in exits, which is really important in terms of driving that ecosystem. So some deals I'd point out. And Iphazone was acquired by Roche, one of our companies, Precision Biotics, by Designs, and then Amrit by Casey. So, again, that's a really helpful, um, you know, encouragement of the sector. So I think we have a fairly strong base from which to build.
0: Excellent. Well, let, let me bring in Mary now. Mary, you're moderating Monday's regional host session, and that's going to spotlight Irish biotech as well. Can you elaborate on some of the things that um, Alan said there and um, let us know what we can look forward to at the session? Yeah,
3: I'd be delighted to do. And I have to say I'm very proud and pleased to be invited to share this panel. I have worked myself in and from Ireland in Irish biopharma companies all my career over three decades. I'm, as is Alan, a product of Elan, the drug delivery company, an Irish multinational drug delivery company, where I learned my trade for 15 years and then co-founded a few companies, one of which Vidara Therapeutics was acquired by Horizon, which became a very big player here in Ireland. And as you're probably aware, is currently being acquired by Amgen. And more recently, I'm very involved in the cell and gene sector, which is really an emerging sector here in Ireland as well as Executive Chair of a Cell Therapy Engineering Company. But the reason really why I'm so pleased to be doing this panel is the speakers that I have the pleasure of working with. We have a panel of six individuals, all of whom have founded Irish companies in different ways from different areas. Mark Barrett, who's co-founder and CEO of a company called APC, as a postdoctoral chemical engineer in University College Dublin. Mark and his supervisor founded, Brian Glennon founded APC and have funded that company on revenue for many years now and employ over 300 people. And in fact, are the largest employers of RD scientists in Ireland. And recently, they've uh, set up a second company, VLE Therapeutics, to approach the same challenges in drug development and manufacturing in the area of CGT. So, Mark really brings some great insight. On founding an RD services a biopharma company in Ireland. And Loretta Callaghan, who was president of Novartis in Ireland, took the decision last year to step away from Big Pharma and uh, went right back to the beginning and is working with one of our entrepreneurs in Trinity College Dublin, Jane Farrer, to float a brand new company out of the university and is currently in the process of licensing technology into the company and looking for that. Uh, Seed funding, which uh, is elusive at times. And that certainly will be a theme in the meeting. We've Daniel Crowley, who is a former venture capitalist, a founder of a number of companies, including Remedy Biologics. And Dan will bring very good perspective on coming out of venture capital and funding into a new cell and gene therapy entity. Frisa Kinsler. Frisa is another academic biochemist from University College Dublin. And she's done a remarkable job of setting a company up based on the research, which in her case was funded through the agencies that Alan has mentioned, such as Enterprise Ireland and Science Foundation Ireland. And she's brought a lead candidate, a small molecule, thromboxin inhibitor, prostanoid inhibitor, for pulmonary arterial hypertension through phase two, and has largely funded the company on European funding. So she'll bring an insight into how Irish companies and Irish academics can leverage that broader European funding structure. Luke O'Neill is no stranger to most people in Ireland, having been the calming voice of science during the pandemic. An immunologist, Luke, is a serial entrepreneur at this stage, but we'll talk about his experience of founding the company Inflasome, which Alan mentioned already, and the exit by Inflazone into Roche, which was a, an excellent outcome for. For that company. And finally, Kieran Rooney. Kieran, most recently, has been the Senior Vice President of Business Development with Amaret. And as Alan said, Amaret have just literally closed their exit to Chiesi. So, what you're going to see is people from coming from different backgrounds, founding companies through in licensing of assets, founding companies through their own academic research. We're going to hear a little bit about the challenges that they've faced. Obviously, we're going to hear about funding. But we're going to hear about some creative ways to to leverage our own state agency funding as well as European funding. We're going to hear how people have navigated revenue-based funding as well as venture capital. And we will hear that plea for more seed funding. I think that's a common theme you will hear from innovators and entrepreneurs in Ireland is the gap between the state funding and the venture capital stepping in. We'll talk a bit about talent. And you're going to hear a lot about from the various speakers of, of, because we're based in Ireland, shouldn't stop us bringing people into Ireland from overseas. And you'll hear some good examples there. So, you know, it's it's really a very rich panel. Lots to say. I think my only challenge will be to keep to the allotted time. And I'm excited to be doing it.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So that's quite a lineup you have there. And, and talent and capital, you know, it'll resonate for biotechs across Europe, actually globally as well. Mm. It's something we've been writing a lot about here at BioCentury. Now, Simone, I'd like to bring you in. I I know you've been prepping for the conference scene setter. We'll also have our insights partner, McKinsey, debut its fourth annual report on European biotech in a session Monday morning, advanced access to this bioequity executive report will be available to all of BioEquity's delegates. Simone, let's, let's hear a bit about what questions you're asking going into the conference and at the conference.
4: Thanks, Jeff. Certainly a delight to do BioEquity again. And uh, I want to start by saying that both McKinsey and Biocentury, where all of you are bringing claims and words, we're bringing data. And McKinsey does an incredibly thorough analysis of the landscape of biotech from financing and beyond. And I strongly encourage all the delegates and even non-delegates to, to dig into their report. It's, it's really a great in-depth, as I said, way of looking at the landscape. The scene setter is something, you know, every year we, we and McKinsey sort of say, what, you know, what's the angle? What are we going to look at? And I have to tell you, going back to what Dave said at the beginning, this is a very different uh, analysis than if we'd done it in 2020 or 2021 when we were originally scheduled to have this conference, because we are really addressing the issue of the capital crunch, which there wasn't so much a couple of years ago. And we're really asking, what is the story of the survivors? We look at the bi scene setter is looking at Which companies in Europe are doing well, and what are the profiles of the stronger companies, ones who are, you know, look poised perhaps to emerge as growth companies coming out of this, using money and deals, and, you know, looking at where the investors are placing their bets. And we break it down by platform versus single asset, where they're focused in disease or technology. And we try to take a a view that digs into the profiles of companies. So that is always an interesting take. Don't ask me, Jeff, yet what we're finding, because I'll let you know when I find it. <laughs> it's still ongoing. I, I do want to raise one more thing to, you know, on the talent issue. And uh, I, I'm moderating another panel. And by the way, we may have the answer. You know, bring in the women is our answer. And so for the first time, we actually have a bioequity. I'm delighted to say. We actually have a panel that talks about women in leadership in biotech, which is an area that is actually growing. We, last year in our back to school, we documented over 400 women CEOs in biotech. Obviously, that's still a Minority of the, depending on how many biotechs you think there are out there, but whatever you think, it's definitely a minority. But it is also a lot more than most people thought. And so we're really seeing uh, changing dynamics. And I'm really delighted to actually be able to focus on this a little bit and have one panel that digs into that. And one more highlight for me is a fireside chat that I am going to hold with regulatory leader Tony Humphreys from EMA. That is a half hour fireside chat. I think it's called like a cocktail hour one. All I know is that I think we're probably going to have a glass of wine with it. So I'm um, looking forward to, to, to having a sort of relaxed way of asking EMA um, what their priorities are and, and digging into some of the scientific and innovative regulatory science that they are focused on.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the chat with Tony. That is sort of a precursor of... BioCentury's upcoming on-the-road educational series will be heading to Amsterdam in June. And so if folks want to learn more about that, reach out to us at conferences at biocentury.com for more information. I'd like to bring in Tina. Tina, you've been so patient. You're with our partner, EBD, and I'd love to just get you to sketch out a bit more about who will be at the conference, the level of C-level partnering you're expecting at the meeting, Uh, what are are some of the highlights, Tina?
5: Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and thank you. It's been a really interesting discussion so far. So happy to kind of listen and and I'm building enthusiasm and excitement I already had, but I'm uh, getting even more excited. One thing um, that Dave mentioned earlier that's also um, really key is the record-breaking number of attendees here heading into our 23rd edition, so we're really excited about that. There's over 1,100 people expected at the event, which is a 30% increase from last year, and also over 150 companies scheduled to present, which is also a record and really exciting. So we're expecting, as you alluded to, quite a senior audience, about 220 CEOs, 200 VCs, and 100 C-suite executives. So BioEquity always draws a quite senior crowd, but it's looking really strong this year. Um, And then on Partnering One, we're really excited to see the level of activity there. So the meeting is powered by Partnering One, which is an online meeting scheduling system, which allows you to set up a company profile, search for partners, and automatically schedule meetings on site at the event. And we have some preliminary data for the conference here at about two weeks out, showing around 1,100 delegates, as I mentioned, 649 companies registered. Um, And then over eleven thousand total requests for meetings currently, which is an eighty percent jump in the number of licensing opportunities in partnering one this year, which is really exciting to see. Based on the numbers from last year, I would estimate that we'll see over twenty thousand requests by the end of this year's conference, and close to twenty five hundred scheduled meetings, which is up about fifty four percent year on year. So people are really excited to meet in Dublin and partner, and we're thrilled to welcome them.
0: Excellent. Thanks for that, Tina. Well, Alan and and Mary, I loved getting. The sketch that you've painted of the Irish ecosystem. Dave, I'd like to turn back to you. Any Anything to jump in and add?
1: Oh, all I would say is that people should go to the conference website and look at all the depth of the content that we're providing. There's new content. We've never before had an academic poster session focused on highlighting innovations with commercial potential, which is something that is near and dear to Biocentury's mission. There are more than 15 plenaries and workshops, so we can't possibly do them all justice in this short time. So I uh, would encourage you all to see all the other content and learning that's going to take place in Dublin shortly.
0: Excellent. I, I would just quickly like to give a shout out to another new thing, the R&D Showcase Sessions, that some of my colleagues on Biocentury's editorial team will be moderating uh, sessions on cell and gene therapy, AI and omics, and neurodegeneration. So certainly things to check out. I'd also like to give a shout out to my colleague and a sometime guest on the podcast, Josh Berlin, who's been uh, hard at it wrangling all of this conference along with all the members of his team. You'll get to hear from Josh coming up on one of the two day of special edition podcasts that we'll be doing from the conference. We'll have various guests from the European Life Sciences Ecosystem, and Josh will join us, my colleague Stephen, also a frequent contributor to the podcast, and they will be giving you insights from the floor of the meeting. So it should be fun. We've been doing that um, at our East-West Conference as well, and our Shanghai Summit that we uh, will once again be putting on in the fall this year. In-person bioequity tickets, I'm both sort of happy and sorry to say are sold out, but you can still register for digital tickets at bioequityeurope.com. You can also find the, the full Schedule of sessions, as Dave mentioned, there as well. If you're already registered, do make sure to schedule your C level partnering meetings in advance on the Partnering One system. As a reminder, last year's C level partnering completely sold out, so you'll want to get ahead of that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tina, Mary, Alan, thank you for joining us. And Dave and Simone, of course, thanks as well for joining me. Today, To all of you who are attending the conference, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, It should be a really great event and be sure to have a Guinness for me. Kendall Square Orchestra provides the music for Biocentry this week. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education.